Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Bibles this morning turn to the book of Exodus chapter 4. I'm in the third part of a series on Moses and um, uh, if you've missed the other two they're all on our social media platforms. You can listen listen to them and get, get caught up. Moses drawn out of the water in a basket lives in the palace of Pharaoh's palace trained, educated, uh, in Pharaoh's palace for the first, you know, when he's a young adult. Um, after that, a few things happen. Moses leaves. He goes to Horeb as probably around 40 years of age. Uh, he meets his wife. He gets married. And for the next 40 years, he lives in Horeb. He works for his father-in-law. He's a shepherd, doesn't really own anything, probably live a life in regret, blown opportunities as he's being a shepherd. And uh, then one day he comes across the burning bush. God has a call and God has a commission for him. I want you to go. You are the deliverer of the Hebrews and the Israelites. I want you to go. So he has a few excuses. We talked about those last week. Uh, the Lord uh, gave him answers for those questions, those excuses. And then, you know, and then uh, he goes back to Jethro. He has a very comfortable life in Horeb. You know, no, no financial worries, no stress, very predictable. He uh, tells uh, uh, Jethro he's leaving. He packs up his family, and they move back to Exodus for the next step in God's call upon his life. So we're going to look at that today. And there's a few things as we go through this scripture reading I don't want you to miss this morning. I want you to watch the interaction between Pharaoh and God the back and forth on that, see if there's any similarities to your life. And then also I want you to look at God's power revealed through signs and wonders and the impact that it had. So I want you to look at a couple of those things. So Moses goes back to uh, Horeb. He gets Aaron. You remember the story? God said that you could use Aaron. He goes back to Arab. Aaron. He tells them the story. Aaron's all excited about being used and uh, what God is going to do. Uh, and then Exodus 4.29, it says Moses and Aaron, they come together with the Israelites and they tell the Israelites all that God is doing. And Moses even performs a few signs and wonders. You know, the snake trick and the leprosy trick, you know, uh, from last week. So it says he performs some signs and wonders. And then he reminds them how much God loves them and he hears from them. And then in a very touching moment, the Israelites bow down. They're so overwhelmed that the God of heaven heard their cry. They bow down. They, they begin to worship. And it's this very spiritual experience that is occurring, you know, uh, right in front of Moses. So the very next day or the, a few days later, Moses says, this is the moment. This is the time I am going. I mean, he's very confident. Have you ever seen a spiritual plan just come together? I mean, you got God's plan. You know, you got, you got some faith. You got some prayer. All of a sudden, there is this alignment that is a happening, that's happening with God's plan and purpose. He goes into Pharaoh, and this is the first conversation Moses and Pharaoh, verse uh, chapter 5. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says Let my people go, that they may hold a festival in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I shall obey him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. I won't let Israel go. Then they said, The God of Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness and offer sacrifices to the Lord, or he may strike us with plagues of the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people back from their labor? Get back from your work. Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you're stopping them from worshiping. So it's gone from a very organized plan. I said, is it great when you see a plan come together? Yes, yes. Also, have you ever seen a plan just blow up? 
just very quickly just blow up. So Moses is so confident when he goes in to meet with Pharaoh, he, there is not really any introduction, any explanation. He's got great command. He's got great confidence. He does an exact quotation of what God told him to say, let my people go. There is no fear. He's speaking to an absolute dictator and there is this sense of confidence that he has, which is very impressive considering, you know, he had these self-confidence issues in the past. So he tells Pharaoh all of this, just waiting for the miraculous to occur, but Pharaoh says, no, 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 you can't go. And it starts a series of unforeseen circumstances. No, you can't go. And he said, by the way, since you're not working, the Hebrews are not working, no longer are we going to provide straw for you. Normally, you know, the Hebrews they, or the Egyptians, they brought straw when they were making these bricks. No longer are we going to do that. You got to go get your own. You got to take labor. You got to go get your own straw. And by the way, the brick quota won't change. You still got to have the same number of bricks every day, you know, when, when, when you do this. And it says in verse 9, he told the uh, Pharaoh told his employees, make it harder for them. Make the work harder. Make them get up earlier, stay later, less food, less breaks. Make the work harder. And then it says also, they started physically abusing the Hebrews. All right? Now, the Israelite themselves, they did not know that Moses had gone to speak to Pharaoh, so they're questioning themselves. They go to Pharaoh and say, what is going on? What's happening? He says, just get, get back to work. And on the way out, they see Moses and Aaron, and they go, you know what? This had something to do with you. And it says he made them obnoxious, the Hebrews obnoxious in Pharaoh's sight. So I just, just want to say, as a reminder, the step of faith and the life of faith is sometimes accompanied by immediate problems, all right? When you follow God, there's not always, things don't always get instantly better. We think that it would. I'm living a life of faith, I'm taking a step of faith so instantly things should get better, and that is not always the case. A lot of times it gets worse first. Anybody ever seen that? Do you think the enemy's just going to roll over and get out of your way because you've made a declaration of faith? You've made, you've made a statement of faith? No. We're going to go through trials. There'll be trials in our life. So I just want to tell you, when you live a life of faith, you take a step of faith. It's not always an instantaneous miracle when it happens. All right? So Moses comes back from this meeting with Pharaoh. He's not really happy. Look at this. He says to the Lord, why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name? He has brought trouble on his people and you have not rescued his people at all. Well, somebody had a little attitude change, you know, from that, that moment of worship, but just want to say, Moses had forgotten what God had told him in the past. God had clearly told him there's going to be trials. This thing's not going to happen instantaneously. And Moses had forgotten that he was going to have a little bit of trouble. And you can see in his tone with the, with the Lord. So I just want to say to you, when you take a step of faith and things don't seem to be aligning, things don't seem to be working out Right. Go back to the original word that God spoke to you that, that, that made you want to do that or follow that particular call. Go back and be mindful of that spiritual experience or that, or that service and draw from that. All right? Go back to that original word. But I want to say this to you. At some point in your walk of faith, you'll stand alone only holding to the promises of God. All right? We always love encouragement. We love applause. We love when a team supports us. But I just want to tell you, 
There'll be a time in your life of faith. There'll be a time of your, in, in a step of faith that you take that you will feel very alone, only holding to God's promise, okay? I'm telling you, it's one of the, it's one of the you know, I'm going to say one of the worst experiences, but it's one of the greatest experiences as far as growing when there's no applause, there's no encouragement. It's just you standing in faith, believing what God has told you in the past. So he says this prayer to God, this kind of complaining prayer, and here is the response. Tell the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore with an uplifted hand to give to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give Give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Listen, that, you almost have revival on that. He's not playing around. There's no qualifications there. It's, it's a very powerful word of, of affirmation and reminder of God's promise that he puts back into the heart of Moses. Look at verse 9. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and their harsh labor. Wow. The Hebrews could not believe God's promise because of their deteriorating present condition. Listen, we only look sometimes right in front of us. We only look like just what is in the, and, and, and our faith and our mental demeanor is just is set by, by what we see. Our, our history, those guys are going, man, we've been slaves for 400 years and now it's getting worse. And even though we heard that word, man, look at what is happening. Look, is, look at what is happening to us. They could not even believe this powerful word that God spoken to them because they are looking at their present circumstances. I just want to say to you this morning, what you see with your eyes and hear with your ears does not invalidate the word of the Lord that was spoken in your heart. Whatever circumstance you may have, always believe the word of the Lord. We're not defined by what I see. Don't let our life perspective and our faith be determined by the present circumstances we are in. We only, we, we let that be established by what we see. I want to remind you, Paul said, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Regardless of what's happening around you, don't look at your circumstance. Look at the Lord. Remember that word. God will bring you through on that. He'll bring you through. So Moses says, that's it. All right. They don't want to believe it. I've got this. I got this call. I got this call. So he goes back to Pharaoh and he says, all right. The Lord says, here's an opportunity. The Lord says, let my people go. But if you don't let my people go, there's going to be blood in the water. There's going to be blood everywhere. I'm going to put my staff down. Blood's going blood's to go. And you know, the plagues start. Blood's going to you know, flow everywhere. It's going to kill every fish. It's going to be an unpleasant experience. Let my people go. Pharaoh has an opportunity. He gives him a chance. God gives him a chance, and he says no. He says no to this. Moses puts his staff in the water, turns to blood. Fish begin to rise. It stinks. It's awful. There is no fresh water, nothing to cook with, nothing to clean, nothing to bathe, no, no, no drinking water at all. You can't fish. Even his Magicians, the scripture says, Pharaoh's magicians, they tried to do this and they were successful. They put their staff in the water and they were able to make water turn to blood, which I'm going, why would you do that? Shouldn't you be doing the opposite? You know, but, you know, whatever. 
So his, his magicians were able to do this. And, and, and Pharaoh said, no, I won't, I, won't let him, I won't let him go. He had the opportunity. But now the consequences of this start. Can I remind you that God's ideal working conditions are when things are chaotic, impossible, and far beyond my ability to handle, okay? I, see, I'm a person of order and structure and predictability, okay? I like that. When I leave my office every day, I clean my desk because I cannot come back in and be all cluttered. Some of you can work through that. I can't. I like order, structure, boxes, you know, that kind of thing. And I just want to tell you, and I want to say, when you're following God and there's chaos and you're all upset, no, God is right at home. When you're far beyond your ability, God is right there, and he's ready to move on your behalf. So Moses is looking at what happened with the Hebrews. He's looking at this plague of blood, what's going on. Pharaoh says no. Moses comes back. He said, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go. And if you don't, there's going to be frogs everywhere. Frogs. They're going to be in your house. They're going to be in your oven. They're going to be where you sleep. Frogs everywhere. He gives them a chance. He gives them a chance. What is about to happen does not have to happen if you'll just, you know, obey the Lord. But he doesn't. He doesn't. Moses prays. Frogs everywhere. Everywhere. But let me just tell you. Everybody's got their breaking point, right? Mine would have been walking in the kitchen the next morning and just seeing four frogs on the table. That had been it for me. I'm out. I am out. If I was Pharaoh, the story would have ended here instead of ten plagues. It would have only been one and a half, okay? He says, no, no. Pharaoh's magicians, they were able to recreate more frogs. You know, it doesn't make any sense, but they were able to do that anyway. Pharaoh makes a promise to Moses. Moses said, do you want this, these done? Yes. You want, you want these frogs done? done away with yes when tomorrow really really why why is it that people always push spiritual decisions to another day why 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 are, why is it always when it comes to spiritual decisions people go tomorrow i'll do it another time then there's the plague and i'm gonna do two at one of gnats and flies the plague of gnats and flies okay so he goes to pharaoh and he says, this is what the Lord says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. He said, okay, on the earth, all, all over here, in where you live, it's going to be gnats and flies everywhere. Now listen, listen. I don't like mosquitoes, okay? Like one mosquito, I can't stand it. One fly, you know it when you're at a picnic. One fly, you pack up and go home. This is covering. It's God's sign and, and, and God's wonder. So, man, gnats are released. Just, it just said it covered. You can't even see the, the atmosphere because of the, the gnats. People, some of Pharaoh's people came to him and said, can't you see this is the finger of God? Can't you, can't you see God is trying to get your attention does that ever happen to you? People come to you and go, hey, God's trying to say something to you. God's trying to reveal his hand. Pharaoh, nope, nope, he had, he had nothing to do with it when, it when it came to the gnats. Then it was the flies, flies everywhere. But there was one part of this plague that was unique. He said, this is going to happen to you, but over in Goshen, where the Israelites live, there won't be any gnats and flies, just so you'll know, just so you'll know. So there's gnats Flies everywhere over Egypt, over in Goshen. You know what it looks like? Like Terminex headquarters. There's nothing there. There's nothing. There's nothing. Not one gnat, one fly. They, they've got picnics out, nothing. They're sweating, no mosquitoes, nothing. All right? Hmm. Well, then he goes back. Moses goes back. Pharaoh, won't, he, he prays. You know, these gnats are killed, these flies are killed, but he, he won't let the people go. He won't let them go. He goes back, Moses goes back. Hey, let my people go. No. All right, all right. Well, now it's a plague on the livestock, all right? Uh, on your, on your uh, cattle, 
on your sheep, on your goats, but I'm going to make a distinction between you because over in Israel, over in Goshen, there's not going to be any death. So certainly enough, all of a sudden, boom, you know, cattle starts falling, you know, uh, sheep, goats, everything just falls, and you can imagine what that's like after a few days, okay? Now, it says Pharaoh goes himself over to Goshen to see what's happening to the Israelites. And you know what it is over there? Hey, it's sirloin night with the Hebrews. Hey, it's uh, bring your ribeye, bring your sirloin. We got lamb on the spit. I mean, we're having a, a barbecue. He cannot believe, he cannot believe what he sees. Pharaoh began to explore firsthand what God is doing. There are times that God speaks and he's trying to get your attention and he has gotten your attention. You know this is the Lord that's, that's speaking to you, all right? But he doesn't. He doesn't let him go. So the plagues continue. He goes back to Pharaoh, let my people go. No, okay, this is going to be the plague of boils, okay? Broken sores, festering, open sores. I don't know really how to describe it to you. I'm not going to put a picture up. Let me just say that. But if you've ever seen the show, Dr. Pimple Popper or anyone, something like that. Everywhere, these festering, these open sores on their hands, their backs, their arms. They would take pottery and break it, and they would just take the pottery and just scrape these sores just to get a little relief. Don't leave. Don't get sick. Don't throw up. You know, just, all right. So just, it, it, was, it was awful. It was awful. Pharaoh's magicians they, they were going to try to do it, but there were so many boils and sores, they didn't even try to do it. Can I just say, there are times that, that our rebellion and pride, it begins to affect other people in our life as well. Man, they don't have any fish. There's no fresh water. There's no livestock. People are, people are, are, are suffering because of someone's pride and rebellion. Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let him go. Okay, well, Pharaoh goes back. Another opportunity, hey, uh, will you let my people go? No, all right. Then he says, I'm going I'm to send the plague of hail, unlike Egypt has ever seen, okay? You need to bring your, any cattle that's left over, your children, you need, to bring, you need to bring everything inside, all right? Pharaoh has a little different viewpoint. He acknowledges that he is wrong. He even says, I've sinned, and he asks for prayer. The cracking of Pharaoh's heart now begins. There's a time when God deals with you. He even uses the word sin, which is a religious term. I've, you know, kind of an offense to God. I've broken God's, I've broken God's law, and he asks for prayer, all right? So, you know, this, these, uh, this, this uh, hailstorm has finally gotten his attention cumulative with what was going on, all right? But he says no, no, no. I mean, how much longer do you think he holds on? How much longer do you hold on? What else has got to happen to your life? How many times do you have to say no? What's got to go on in your life before you go, you know what, I'm, go I'm just going to surrender and give my life over to God. But he's just determined not to do it. Moses goes back. I know every time Pharaoh saw Moses, he knew this is going to be a bad day. Moses said, hey, let my people go. God says, let my people go. No, no. All right. If you refuse, there's going to be locusts all over the land. There's going to be locusts all over the land. This doesn't have to happen. This is on you. Now, let me just say, locusts, they're not just scary and ugly. And in the movies, you know, when the plague of locusts comes over. I mean, locusts are in the book of Revelation. I mean, they're just trying out for a part that's coming later in the Bible. And this plague starts to, uh, starts to happen, and they strip the plants Trees, fruit, vegetables, the locusts, all the food sources are gone. Everything that they've, everything, you know, that they were, that they were depending on, you know, uh, it's, it's all gone. You know what's happening over in Goshen? They're having a baked potato bar, salad bar, fruit salad. I mean, they, they, they have no problems. They've still got their 
food sources because God's providing that distinction. Pharaoh, he tries to negotiate with God. He said, okay, you can go. You can go. But only take the men. Only take the men. By the way, would you pray for me? I've sinned. And, 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 and ask God to forgive me. All right? Number one, I think that would have been pretty good. You know, but church services were just men. Okay, well, that's all right. That's all right. But we need the ladies. But he wouldn't let them. He's trying to negotiate with, with the Lord. And it wasn't, you know, just trying to do things on his own terms. Just take the men. Hey, but would you pray for me? Would you, would you ask God to forgive me? And then the very last plague, Moses said, hey, let my people go. No, no. All right. You've, you've, been, given this, you've been given this option now it was a plague of darkness. And it says it was so dark you couldn't see in front of your hands for three days. For three days there was darkness. You couldn't see anyone. People didn't go in and out because of the darkness. Any, maybe any firewood and lamps that they had or maybe it might have been exhausted at that, at that particular point. But you know what's happening over in Goshen? They're laying out, getting a suntan. You know, their crops are growing because the sun, there's a distinction, darkness all around, but there's, you know, but there's sun over, over in Goshen. You know, Pharaoh said, you know what? That's it. Moses, go away. I don't want to ever see your face again. Okay? And Moses said, okay. Okay. All right. Now, I said at the beginning of the message, I want you to watch how Pharaoh and God, they deal back and forth because some of this can be very similar, you know, to our own lives. Now, listen to me. Pharaoh heard from God. He had plenty of opportunities to make things right with God, plenty of opportunities to make things right with God, and he didn't do it. He saw God's hand revealed through signs and wonders on multiple occasions he had plenty of opportunities. He knew the direction, the clear direction and of, of, of God's plan for him, and he just kept saying no. People were coming to him. You know, hey, you need to listen to God. You need to, you need to uh, relent and let God have his way in your life. And he just kept, uh, he just kept saying no saying no, he kept trying to do things on his own term, in his own times. He was even acknowledging his sin, asking people to pray for him. He was so close. But in the last moment, he said, I don't want to see you again, I'm done. All right? I just want to say, I don't know where you are with your relationship with God, your walk with God, but maybe some of this maybe sounds a little familiar to you. You've had multiple opportunities, multiple opportunities. You know, uh, God's trying to speak to you. There are times that you've felt conviction in your heart. This is the moment that you need to come back to faith. God's, you know, you've seen God's hand. People have been praying for you. You've felt conviction. You've even prayed a few prayers or asked people to pray for you. You know that there is a spiritual issue before the Lord. Is it going to be pride and rebellion that keeps you away from the cross of Jesus Christ? Is it going to be that? You see, God wants a relationship with you, all right? He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to forgive your sin. He wants to change your life. He wants to give you abundant life. He wants to prevent what can happen to you on judgment day. That's why he loves, he loves you. That's why the cross is a, a symbol of love. And I just want to say, if you're running and running and running and you're putting things off another day, man, you see a chaos in your life because of decisions that you make can I tell you today is your day of salvation if you'll let Jesus work in your heart don't it let just be rebellion and pride come to the Lord Pharaoh finally at the end he said no I'm done but you don't have to have that ending in your life you don't have to have that ending you can go you know what I'm in I'm in Lord I'm in I want I want you living in my life.
That's one thing I wanted you to see in this message. There's something else that I ask you to watch as we were going through, especially those plagues. We saw God's hand work through the miraculous, through signs and wonders. I want to say to you this morning, I think we need a return of signs and wonders to the church. I think we need a return of God's miraculous power to the church. Now, that doesn't mean that it hasn't happened or is not happening. I'm just saying signs and wonders and miraculous works are very appropriate for the age in which we live, the closeness that we are to the return of Jesus. It's appropriate. Listen to me. The gospel message was introduced to the world on the backs of signs and wonders. It was fishes and loaves. It was water and wine. It was walking on water. Miraculous things where people got to know Jesus and it opened their eyes to the message of Jesus. It was also in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room when the church was birthed. It was birthed in miraculous power with supernatural fire, supernatural wind, and an unknown tongue. Let me tell you, there is there's not a reason and why we don't need miraculous signs and wonders in the world in which we live today. A sign, sign and wonder, sign and wonder. A sign is not a destination within itself, but points to another location. A sign is not the destination within itself, but it points to another location. So when when supernatural things happen, we point to the cross of Jesus. We point back to the person of Jesus. When people are going, why did this happen? We go, it's God's miraculous power. A sign is not a destination within itself, but points to another location. A wonder defies logic, experience, even natural law to require us to ask greater spiritual questions. So when there's something that's unexplainable, that defies our experience, defies, you know, defies our understanding, it makes us go, wow, what's going on? That's a wonder. It makes people go, man, maybe there is something bigger. Maybe there is something else out there that I don't understand. So I want to say, and I am praying, as I was just reading through this passage today, for a return and a resurgence of signs and wonders and God's miraculous power to the church. It's appropriate for today. Signs and wonders are an accelerator to evangelism. Signs and wonders are an accelerator to evangelism. You let something miraculous happen, and I'm telling you, people come to faith in Jesus Christ. It will just happen. It happened in the New Testament when they saw the works of Jesus. Man, instantly, people came. So a sign and wonder, it is an accelerator. And I just want to say, I think we live in the end times. I think there is a harvest of people that are, are ready to come to the church. Many are lost. What can we do very quickly for people to find salvation? That would be a sign and a wonder that would bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. Signs and wonders are a great accelerator of evangelism. Signs and wonders are an answer to deconstructing young adults. We've got a group of young adults now, and they go public on social media, and they call it deconstructing, where they walk away publicly from their faith, or they question things, and they're, they're not serving, serving God. They're walking away from their faith. Decades of godless post-secondary teaching, humanist theology, hypocrisy of some in the church makes young people deconstruct. Empty promises from a secular culture of internal happiness for external gratification has been a lie to them. And listen, we have 
you know, for every intellectual argument they have, we have answers as well. But I just say, instead of argument versus argument, how about argument versus sign and wonder? How about an argument when they see something in God's miraculous power that they know that God is real and their arguments of intellect are done away with miraculous works and power? Signs and wonders are an alternative to last day's miracles, false miracles. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said that there's going to be Uh, messiahs and prophets who perform signs and wonders to deceive it said the possible the the, uh, elect even if that was possible he's saying these things are 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 going to be so real that 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 people will be turned away second thessalonians when it talks about the age of antichrist said that he will use all sorts of displays of power and he uses the term again through signs and wonders that serve a lie and deceive those who are perishing i want to say if a miracle is a sign that points to something else if in this day this day that we have occultic practices and Eastern mysticism, I want to say if the only sign and wonder that they see is one that's false, that points somewhere else, then actually we need that resurgence of signs and wonders. They can't be the only show in town when it comes to signs and wonders. Pharaoh's magicians tried a few occasions. They were were successful about duping Duplicating, you know, some of God's miracles. I want to just say this morning, we're not going to leave them to be the only show in town. I'm believing God's signs and his wonders and miracles return to the church. We don't want to lose people of false miracles. We want them looking at the real sign that points people to Jesus. And then last, to a generation who only has read of God's power but has never really seen it firsthand. We don't want the only miraculous thing we know about is to be in this, the pages of this book. I believe we're living in a unique hour. I believe God is going to stir and do something in the church that we haven't seen in a long time. We don't want our kids, we don't want our grandkids to, to, to not know of God's power working in their life. If we don't preach about it, worship team, you can come. If we don't preach and talk about God's power, nobody will ever know about it. If we don't preach and talk about it, then there is no faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. And when you hear God's miraculous power, man, there's something in your heart that makes you want to rise up and be part of that as well. If we're going to build faith in our people, man, we've got to pray and believe that signs and wonders are still for today. And I want to tell you, he didn't leave us powerless in this hour. We are not standing empty while the enemy has all things at his disposal. We are not standing empty-handed. We have the power of the Holy Spirit given to us on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter, um, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 12 says we also have gifts of faith, gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, words of knowledge, discernment, gifts of faith. God has put things in the church today so that he can use us when it comes to signs and wonders and miracles. I want Morris Davis to come here. Morris. A lot of you may not know this guy. He's one of our deacons. You see him out in the out in the foyer. I want you to hear his story this morning. So Morris, when you were a little kid, you had a diagnosis in your life. Tell our congregation about that. When I was uh, six years old. Uh, I had a bone disease. It was called bilateral leg perthes disease. And mother took me to the doctor, and uh, they said it was growing pains. Don't worry about it. He'll be fine. 
I kept complaining. She carried me to an agency here in Tallahassee, which at the time was the Crippled Children's Commission. And my hip bones had flattened off. They were supposed to be round, and both hip bones were completely flat. And uh, the doctors said they put me in, well, the first three months they put me in leg cast. My toes were exposed, and they cast my legs up to my hips. And they told my mother that, and then they put me in leg braces after that. Uh, they braced both legs. At first it was up to my uh, chest, and then they took that part off. So I was in crutches and braces, and they told my mother that I'd be a grown man before I ever got out of those braces. What, what was your life like, you know, when you're, when you're six, seven, eight? I was in the first grade. I missed the last three months of the first grade. Uh, I was in cast for three months. My mother had to carry me around on her hip. Uh, if I got out at all, we got a doctor's bed in the house. I had to stay in it. Um, then when I got the braces on, I was the crippled boy at school. Uh, everybody knew me as the boy that was crippled, and uh, I walked around in braces and crutches. Uh, if you ever saw false, if you ever seen Forrest Gump, I had braces just like he had uh, when, in that movie. No promise of any medical help, healing at all. This is going to be a lifetime diagnosis. Lifetime. Uh, they took me on, the, put me on a diet, no iodine. Uh, they said the bones would most likely regenerate in my lifetime, but I'd be a grown man before I got out of the braces. And uh, so that was my life at that point. So your mother's a godly woman. You go to church all the time. You're in church yes. for a service. Tell us about that moment. We were in church. Uh, mother had brought us up in church. My dad was not in church. But that Sunday morning, we had a missionary come and uh, I don't even remember what he was preaching on, but I do remember that Sunday morning, I stood up in the bench. We had wooden benches at that time, and I was standing there, and I was praying, and I felt this warm feeling just flow over my body from my head to my toes all the way through. I was praying for healing in my body. God reached down that morning, and he touched my body. I told Mother, I said, at the end, on the way home, Mother, God touched me this morning. I'm healed. I don't need to wear these braces anymore. And she said, that's great, but we're going to leave them on until we see the doctor's report for the next time. We were going on a monthly basis to Tallahassee back and forth. And the next time we went, they did x-rays every time I went. The doctor said, well, it looks like he's completely healed. Let's take the brace off of one leg. He doesn't need it at all. We're going to leave the other brace on until it looks completely healed. The next month we went back, he said, well, he's completely healed. He doesn't need the braces any longer. God touched me that morning. It's been a miracle that I've been able to hold on to all my life. When things look bad, things look rough. You question God. I've always been able to hold on to that. God reached down that morning and touched my body. Healed me my body. Pastor, it's some last couple of weeks God's been dealing with me specifically that he wants to show his signs and wonders yeah. again. It pleases him to show his signs and wonders. And I didn't realize why, but now I do know why. He, God wants to touch. He does. In Morris, everybody else yesterday morning, they're laying in the bed eating a donut. What were you doing yesterday morning? Yesterday morning, I was running the springtime 10K. God has touched my body. He healed me completely. I've had no more issues with my hip bones whatsoever. Come on, give God praise this morning. Give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise. Thank you, Lord. If we're going to win people to Jesus like they did in the early church, we've got to have the signs and wonders of the early church. We need a demonstration of God's miraculous power that, that works as a sign and wonder that points people to Jesus. This is not something where we print a t-shirt and write a book. This is about God's glory, his power in the church so that God can get the glory. We need to pray over this. We're going to pray over this. We're going to pray for an open heaven. We're going to pray for an open heaven, an unbelievable season of revival and outpoured blessings and manifestations of God's glory and his miracle working 
power and deliverance and salvation and other blessings. Not for us. We need this in this hour. We need it in this hour. Would you stand? Would you stand? Lord, I have heard of your fame, Habakkuk says. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. Repeat them in our day. In our time. In our time, make them known. Make them known. Make them known. So, Lord, we come as a church that has no national brand, world brand, and we don't care. But, Lord, we pray and we ask you humbly to move on our behalf. Lord, we pray, God, that you would move in mighty signs and wonders and miracles, Lord. Only, Lord, so that people would know of your goodness and your glory. Come on, church, would you pray with me? We pray, God, for this open heaven. We pray for this season, Lord, that you would grace the church. Lord, that people would come. Lord, they would know you. There would be unusual salvations, deliverance from demonic powers, healing, miracles, signs and wonders. Lord, we see it, how you used it in, in, in Exodus. Lord, we pray over this this morning. God, we pray for resurgence of signs and wonders, a return of signs and wonders to the church. God, we pray. We pray for miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Lord. We humble ourselves this morning, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. We serve a God of miracles. We serve a God of miracles. Fall on us. Move on us. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. You're a God that heals. You're a God of healing power. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. So I'm going to ask you, if you need a miracle this morning in your life, I want you to come down to the front. What It doesn't matter to me what it is. If you need a miracle in your life, would you come? Would you come stand across the front this morning? If you need a miracle, just come stand. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is. We don't know anything else to do than just stand in faith and believe. If you need a miracle, would you come? If you need a miracle, would you come? Some of it's going to be your step of faith. It's going to be your step of faith. If you need a miracle, would you come? Thank you, Lord. If you need a miracle in your life, would you come? If you want to stand in for someone, would you come? Would you come? We're going to believe for the God of miracles today. Oh, Jesus. Are there others? Would you come this morning? Would you come this morning? Would you come this morning? Oh, God. Oh, God. Would you come? Would you come? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Some of our team, they're going to come and they're going to start laying hands on you and praying for you. We want to have a God moment this morning. We want to have a God moment. Worship team, would you lead us? Oh, thank you, Jesus. I just felt the Lord say this morning, that there is chain-breaking power in the house, that the Lord has come to set the captives free. And I feel like there are some of you that you've been struggling with addiction. It has maybe just seemed like a habit. Maybe you've just thought, it's just a part of my life. It's just my personality. But the Lord says that he is setting you free. What you thought was just a bad habit, the Lord says, I am setting you free. Total freedom 
come in the name of Jesus. I just believe the Lord is setting the captives free right now. And I, I encourage you just to claim that for your families. And I just want to pray into that. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your power. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that sets the captive free. And I pray right now over every single person that has been struggling with addiction, over every single family that it just seems like they can't shake addiction. God, I pray that the chain-breaking power of your name, Lord, would break every addiction in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, begin to press in. Oh, there's no addiction too great, too powerful, and we, we cut it off. We cut it off the family. We cut it off the bloodline in the name of Jesus. Addiction, go. Addiction, go. Let go of our children. Let go of our children. You cannot have our children. You cannot have our children in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Give him praise today. God's in this place. God's in this place. God's in this place. I want to tell you all, yesterday I just couldn't shake God's presence. Woke up at four this morning, just felt God's presence. Couldn't sleep, got up. Just felt God's presence today. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, could you just praise him? Could you just praise him? If you're here today and you're away from God, this is your day. This is your day. This is your sign. Get your heart right with God. If you're here, you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, just lift your hands up right where you're at. Say, Lord, fill me. I need the baptism. I need the Spirit of God working in my life. I need God's power. I need God's presence. Say, fill me, Lord, like you did in the upper room. Fill me. We need God's power. We need God's presence. He is here today. He's here today in our midst. Thank you, Lord. 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 Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Come on, church. So break every strong. Come on, sing it. Shout through the shout.
church. I see you. Oh, come on. He's made. Oh, you better sing it this morning. I'll see you do it. Sing it out this morning. Sing it out this morning. Sing it out. This is my Let something stir in some of you. It's been a while. Let it stir. Shout our praise this morning, Lord. So, Lord, just as you brought Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders and a strong hand and an outstretched arm, God, we pray that you would manifest your presence in the midst of your people today. Signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit, Lord, they are needed in this hour to combat spiritual powers of darkness in this world, Lord. We pray for the glory of the Lord to be present in our meeting, to be present in our meetings. We pray, Lord, that as you you tell us to do greater works because 
because you have gone to the Father and you're sending the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask you to do greater things, Lord, that you would get the glory. We pray for the sick in our congregation. Lord, we pray for those that are depressed and discouraged, Lord. We pray for those that need a miracle, Lord. We pray for those, whatever it may be, by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, we ask, Lord, for an open heaven and unprecedented seasons of signs and wonders, only so people will point back to Jesus, only so that you would get the glory and the cross, Lord, would be supreme in this movement. We ask you to do this, Lord. If you believe that, say amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I, I've had this word in my heart for a couple weeks and just, you know, like not, not sure what to, uh, what to do with it. And um, so I'm, I'm asking for the next season for God to do something special in the midst of this body. Okay? If people don't ever hear the name of this church, I don't care. We want them to know this is all about, all about the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.